as I continue to talk about um, uh, Chiba in our sermon. We were supposed to preach on 1 John 4, 16 through 19, but I called an audible last night at about 25,000 feet in the air, and we're not going to be doing that. So instead, I'm going to be preaching on Psalm 1, and you can find Psalm 1 uh, in the Bibles, which are in your pew, or if you have a Bible, it's uh, page 424. We're going to be preaching through Psalm 1, a sermon I have uh, appropriately titled by my favorite band, One Direction. So One Direction, Psalm 1. Uh, and I'm going to read to you in the ESV version. Uh, you may have the ASV, it's pretty close. But this is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Well, my son managed, and I managed to make it back last night at, uh, gosh, what was it? I don't even know. After midnight last night, uh, we left Chiba uh, at 4.25 on Saturday. And 22 hours later, we actually were going backwards in time. It was like a Michael J. Fox thing as we were traveling. Uh, the time was going backwards. We made it 22 hours later. I don't know, 20 plus thousand miles uh, from uh, Chiba, Japan. And it's very interesting if you do international travel. I don't know if you've ever gone traveling. You know how difficult it is just to travel in the U.S., right? You get the card, you've got to walk through. It gives you a gate. You walk through all of these gates. If you could go to the slide right here, this is actually the international board at uh, Narita Japan Airport. So one false move and you could end up in Jakarta or in Busan, wherever Busan might be, or even worse, Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, it's like uh, choose your own adventure. Behind door A is a path that leads to home. Behind uh, door B is utter destruction, and behind door C is lifetime uh, in a prison in Myanmar. So uh, it was, oh, well, that's, uh, we weren't quite ready to go there, actually. It's, that's frankly how I felt, though, as I was, uh, I was, you know, it's crazy traveling, and when you're tired and you're, you're trying to figure out uh, which way to go, you just hope you're getting to the right place, and by God's grace, we did. I managed to make it back. You know, life is like a trip, I thought, as I was sitting in an airport waiting for my next connection. Life is a series of destinations that are based on decisions that we make. Do I go to this gate or do I go to this gate? And frankly, much like the airport, life 
throws things at us that we don't expect. Well, this flight has been canceled due to inclement weather. Or there's a malfunction in this particular aircraft and so you're going to use this one instead. And sometimes we wonder how can we stay on the straight and narrow? How can we stay on the path that leads to the destination that we want to go? Life is like a trip. And the reality is there's much of life that we cannot be sure of. As I think about my family and the trip that we have been taking, I never would have imagined that we would be at the place where we are. And I wonder to myself, what does the future hold? Where will we end up? I just spent a host of time with some missionaries, one from Harrisonburg, Matt and Carly Chase, who have gathered up their belongings and their children and are now living in a small flat in the middle of Chiba City. I wonder if when he was going through college he would have thought, wow, I wonder if I'm going to end up here in this place. The reality is I cannot tell you where you are going to end up in life. But I can tell you how you are going to end up in life. Because this passage is all about destiny. More so than destination. It's all about how we are going to end up. It's all about the door that we can be sure of going through. Even amidst the difficulties of life, that there is a path that we can take that leads to a destination that is sure. A destiny that is good. A path that leads to righteousness and not wickedness. Blessing and not cursing. Salvation and not destruction. If this passage tells us one thing, it tells us that there are two paths that lead to two different destinations. And it's a path that we can take that is based not on chance, but rather on choice. The gospel is all about Christ freeing us to take a path that leads to a righteous destiny. And this passage is all about our responsibility to walk in this path of freedom that God has given us. And so since Christ has freed us up from the path of wickedness, we must diligently pursue the path of righteousness. This psalm, a psalm of decision, a psalm of direction, tells us that we need to examine our lives to examine three things of our lives indeed, to discover the path that we are taking. Every single one of us are on a path right now. I want you to imagine that this is sort of like an airline terminal. And we're just going to stop and get off at a gate for a second. And I want you to examine your path. We're going to look at three specific things. Number one, I want you to examine your feet. Where are they headed? Look down. They're pointed in a certain direction. We're going to examine our feet. Then number two, we're going to examine our fruit. My life is already bearing something based on the direction in which I'm going. The fruit will tell you if your feet are pointed in the right direction. And then finally, point number three, I want you to examine your fate. Where are you going to end up? You need not fear the uncertainty of the future. For if you have set your feet on the right path, 
and your life is already bearing fruit, your fate will be, un- will be certain, even in the uncertainty of life. Well, let's look at these three points. Number one, let's take a look and examine our feet. Verse one puts it this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You'll discover that much of the Bible is put into two categories. Blessed and cursed. Example and warning. Much of life is ultimately trying to end up as an example rather than as a warning. And so this is a stop sign. And the psalmist is saying, blessed is the man who does these things. This word blessed, by the way, in the, uh, comes from the Latin word beatus, which means beautiful. In the Hebrew, it means straight. See, there's a sense of a direction that's going on it, isn't there? Beautiful. Blessing. We're somewhat familiar with the term blessing, but if you were Jewish, you would certainly understand it. Because the blessing was one of the most important things in the culture that one could receive. As a child, your goal in life was to receive the blessing from your parents. It was an honor and a responsibility of the parents to raise them up and to bless them, to proclaim their life beautiful, to speak beauty into their life. And so to receive the blessing from their parents was to receive the gift uh, of love, the gift of honor. Because blessing is something that you cannot achieve. It's something you have to receive, right? Imagine I was up here talking to you and I sneezed. What would you say? Bless you. See, you're giving me a blessing, right? I wouldn't say bless me. It's something that is bestowed, right? When I went ahead and I wanted to marry Liel and I went to Leon's parents and asked for their blessing. Uh, they, of course, did not give it. And so after prodigious sums of money, I was only able to obtain it. But hey, who's counting? I actually was counting. I'm still bitter about that. Uh, strike that from the record, actually. Let's continue. It's a blessing. It is given to you. But notice it says, blessed is the one. Is a blessing given to everyone? The answer is no. See, the blessing has to be bestowed. It has to be ultimately given by God. What you are looking for more than anything, if you're interested in knowing what the purpose and desire and deepest desire of your heart is, here it is right here. You are looking for the blessing of God. The blessing that only your heavenly Father can give you. But I don't know if you've ever seen this bumper sticker that says, God bless everyone, no exceptions. Okay, it's not biblical. Okay, it's God's decision to bless who He will. But praise God, He has not left us in the dark, has He? He's shown us a path. And so He says, blessed is the one, and He actually starts in negatives here. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Notice, the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. A walking is an action. One who has decided not to walk in a path that is led by the counsel of the wicked. Now what is the counsel of the wicked? If God gives good counsel, it would be the counsel that is against God. Those, the counsel of the enemies, those who do not love God, who are giving advice. 
As Proverbs 4.14 said, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So there is a way of blessing, but it's not for those who walk in the counsel of the wicked. They take the counsel and they walk. They actively live out. Or stands in the way of sinners. Now if the first part was dealing with action, walking in the way of sinners, excuse me, walking in the way of the wicked, excuse me, walking in the counsel of the wicked, the second deals with identity. Action and attitude. Standing in the way of sinners, as the ESV puts it, is essentially throwing your lot in with these people. I'm with them. They're my peeps, so to speak. I'm going to live this kind of way. I'm going to have this kind of attitude. I'm going to walk in the way of the wicked and I'm going to stand. I'm going to identify with them. Furthermore, I'm going to sit in the seat of scoffers. Proverbs 21 says it this way, that scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. A scoffer is the one who sits uh, in judgment of everyone else. He gets on his throne, he sits and he looks down upon the people, upon the world, and he passes judgment as to what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. He is the ultimate arbiter of that which is true. But the psalmist is saying there is no blessedness for this person. No, rather, the one who is blessed, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. This word delight, we're very familiar with it. Delight can be translated pleasure. His pleasure is not in the counsel of the wicked, but it is in the law of the Lord. God has provided the way in which to live. The law of the Lord, His word which He has given to us. As the scripture that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Christ says, My words are true. That you will not stumble as you follow them. They will lead you on good paths. And so this person who is blessed is the one who takes pleasure in the law of the Lord. So much so that on his law he meditates day and night. The word meditate, by the way, in the Hebrew is the same word as mutter. You ever see mutter? My kids, they, they accost me all the time. What are you saying? Constantly muttering to myself. It's a little bit like insanity, right? So what are the things I'm meditating on? You know, some of them are these things that have been put in my head from a long time ago, from the marketers who understand this, right? Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, I have these jingles that are running around in my head again and again who have wrapped themselves around my corpus callosum and I cannot break free of them. What the blessed person is doing is they've taken the law of the Lord and they're muttering on it. Do not let this book of the law med- you know, fall from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
I will worship the Lord. I will not fear, for God is with me. So on and so on. Like incense. Just enjoying the smell. Enjoying the words. Psalm 112 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. There's a sense that they have stepped away from the counsel of the wicked and they've grasped on to the ways of God. And they have held on to it and they treasure it and they pleasure in it and they delight in it and they follow it. And there is a beauty that is coming alongside because their feet are leading in the path of righteousness. There's an obsession to it, if you will. There was a picture which was prematurely put up of our good friend. If you go to the next slide, we call him Smeagol. Or is his name Gollum? I don't exactly know. In fact, his name was originally Smeagol. He was just a character, you know, sort of this little woodland folk. And one day, uh, he came into the possession of something, the ring that looked so beautiful, but the ring was filled with evil. And there was something that happened as Smeagol began to meditate and mutter on the precious, his ring. Smeagol more and more and more became like Gollum. It's a very interesting cinematic uh, style, I don't know what you call it, when they have Smeagol and Gollum talking to one another, right? Where you see Smeagol wanting to be Smeagol and having this wonderful, fun face and then talking back and reminding himself of who he is full of bitterness and poison. See, the reality is no matter how hard Gollum tries to be Smeagol, he will always be Gollum. And because the reason is because he has fixed his path on the way of the ring. There is a way that seems right to man, but ultimately it will lead to destruction. That's what this is all about, my friends. It's all about examining your feet. Can a man walk on hot coals without being burned? And so my job here is to help you examine your feet for just a second. What is the path that I'm walking in? Because the path that leads to beauty and blessing is walking in the ways of God, taking His Word. So what is it that you are muttering about? What's in your head? I don't know if you struggle with materialism or pornography or all sorts of delicious things that are put out there by the world supposedly that are supposed to bring us beauty and goodness and delight but they all lead to death and so you have to let go you have to let go and you have to hold on to God's word and his goodness because the way of blessedness exists for those who would follow the way of the Lord. But until you let go of the ring, it doesn't matter how hard you try, 
to be a Christian, you're never going to make it because Christianity is not something you do. Christianity is who you are. It comes from the core of your being. And that's why this brings me to my second point. That as we take a look at our feet, we have to take a look at our fruit. You can move on to the blank slide. Thank you. Listen to the result of the obsession. Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You know, there is that concept of, uh, what's the computer, Geigo? Garbage in, garbage out. There's a way of the world, as somebody sows, so shall they reap. And we see that there is an expression of a life whose feet are planted, moving in the direction of righteousness. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Fruit isn't something that you produce, so to speak. Fruit is a result of a life, right? If you were to go in a peach orchard, you wouldn't hear a whole lot of straining as the leaves try their best to produce fruit. No, it's actually quite quiet and placid. Fruit is simply the result of the nature of the tree combined with the conditions in which the tree is. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Ezekiel 47, 12 actually shows a picture of what the end of the world is going to be like. It says that in heaven that fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of this river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. The result of planting oneself in God's Word, of choosing your path, your feet to follow after God's ways, will naturally result in a life that bears fruit. What kind of fruit, you might ask? Well, as Galatians 5 tells us, that beautiful passage of fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. It was very interesting as we were walking along the streets of Japan. People don't smile a whole lot in Japan. It's like bad form or something. I don't exactly get it. It's a very austere culture where um, you're really not supposed to show emotion. In fact, not really to interact with people that you're not supposed to. But we would meet Christians and there was almost like a different aura that they were giving off. May I use the word aura? Sort of a new agey term. There was a friendliness to them. There was a smile to them. There was a joy to them. I'm sure it must have thrown their Japanese brethren for a loss. It wasn't manufactured, mind you. It was simply a life that was producing the result of a path that was walking after righteousness. And this fruit was bearing. I love how it says that it bears its fruit in its season. 
different seasons in our life, aren't they? I don't know if your season right now is a season of pain. Season of winter, maybe. Where everything is not glorious and beautiful. It's kind of cold and it's kind of gray. It's different seasons, but there's different fruit that occurs in different seasons, you know? Sometimes the fruit in a season of darkness is hope and comfort and security and encouragement. Sometimes the fruit in a season of when everything is coming together is joy and excitement and exuberance and fullness and life. But what it's saying here in this passage is that the fruit does not wither. It does not fail. On and on and on. We use this word prosperity. We throw it all around in the United States. I don't think we really understand what it means. Because to us, prosperity means a life in which there is no pain or suffering. A life in which there is only excess and abundance. A life in which all of our greatest dreams come together and we have difficulty finding each other because our house is so large. Friends, that is not prosperity. Prosperity is what happens in the midst of your life circumstances. Nowhere in the scriptures did God say that our life was going to be perfect. But He said, I will be with you. And I will bring life even in the darkness. And that's what we're seeing here. See, I don't know where your life is right now, but I know how your life can be. That even in the midst of failure and brokenness, you can experience the prosperity of God's Spirit working in your life. But not so for the wicked. For the wicked are like chaff with the wind, the angel of the Lord blowing it away. Now, if ever you were uh, uh, harvesting wheat... Wheat is uh, heavier than the chaff. The chaff is sort of the stuff that blows away. And so when you throw up the wheat, the chaff is blown by the wind and it disappears. See, it's easy to say life is good and all is well when everything's coming together and all is great. But all is not always great, is it? And what the scripture is saying is no matter in what circumstance you are experiencing, you can find the blessing and fullness of God. Because He's there. So our obsession needs to be in walking in the ways of God. Because He will bring the prosperity that we're looking for. Otherwise, you will look for prosperity all of your life and you will never find it. I love this little tale here of an American businessman who was standing at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. And inside the boat, there was the man with several nice large tuna. And the American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish, and he said, how long did it take for you to catch them? Only a little while, the Mexican replied. Well, why didn't you stay out longer and get more fish? And he said, I have enough to support my family's immediate needs. But the American said, what do you do with the rest of your time? The fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, Maria, and stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. The American scoffed. I am a Harvard MBA and I could help you. You should spend more time fishing and with the proceeds you receive, 
buy a bigger boat. And eventually, if you continue, you could buy a fleet of fishing boats. And then you no longer would have to sell your catch to a middleman. You could sell direct to the producers, eventually opening your own can factory. And then you could control product, processing, and distribution. You would need to leave the small coastal village, move to Mexico City, and then L.A., and then New York City, where you will run your expanding enterprise. The Mexicans said, well, how long will this take? About 20 to 25 years. And then he says, then what, senor? He says, well, this is what's the best part. You could then have an IPO, sell the stock of your company to the public, and become very, very rich. You would make millions. Millions, senor, then what? Then the American said slowly, then you would retire, move to a small coastal fishing village, where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, stroll to the village in the evening, and sip wine and play guitar with your amigos. You know, we don't really know prosperity, truth be told. I don't know how to get to where I want. I don't even know where I'm going, frankly. But I do know that if I examine my feet and I walk not in the counsel of the wicked, but if I meditate on the ways of the Lord, if I follow in His paths, that slowly my life will begin to bear fruit. Fruit that not only feeds me, but my family and my church and the world. Jesus Christ on the last day of the feast said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. They're different seasons. But every season is an opportunity for the Lord to bear his fruit in your life as you walk in his ways. Which brings me to my final point, to examine your faith. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There is an end to all things. Foolish is the man or woman who lives their life like there is no conclusion to it. Your life is like a song that ultimately will have a finish. But the scriptures clearly tell us what is our destiny if we walk in the ways of the Lord, that we will stand in the assembly of the righteous, that we will come before our heavenly Father who will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You believed in my path. You know, I don't exactly know where I'm going, truth be told. But I don't need to know where I'm going. I simply need to know where he's going. Jesus summed up his entire ministry in two words. Follow me. If we follow Christ, he will lead us to the judgment of the righteous. But not so the wicked. You know, much of life, I believe, is a question of who we give our hands to. I love it when my kids were small. They don't do it as much anymore. They're getting bigger and bigger and I really miss it. But you know, when a child is little and they don't exactly know where to go or they don't exactly know what's going on, 
Without even thinking about it, they just kind of reach their hand over, right? And you just take it because they know that you know the way. Before Christ died on the cross, what did we have to hold on to? Our wisdom? The world which tells us where to go? We have God who has come nearer to us than the greatest lover, than the most loving father or mother who has come alongside us and said, look, you don't have to have it all together. All you have to do is reach out your hand and trust me. The life of blessedness is not for the beautiful, the intelligent, the healthy. It's for those who stretch out their hand and give it to Christ and say, I'm going to follow you. Lead me where you will. For your path is the path of life. Since Christ has freed us from the path of wickedness, choose, my friends, to diligently pursue the path of righteousness. Examine your feet. Set them in the right direction. Examine the fruit of your life. Take stock. And finally, take comfort in your faith. Because you know how this is all going to end up. You may not know what life is like right now, but you know how this is all going to end up. And so you need not fear whatever is before you today or tomorrow or the month or the year after. My hope is that we'll walk together as a church when we gather. Do we know the future? No. But we do know the one who is leading us. And if it can transform the United States of America, surely it can transform Japan, right? God is good all the time. All the time. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word shows the way. And your word simply is the reassurance to hold on to the Savior. Christ, you who came into the darkness and stretched out your hand and said, hold it and follow me. So Lord, let us soberly examine our feet. Let us choose not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. If there is any among us who is standing in the way of sinners, who is on that high seat of scoffing, Lord, may we fall to our knees and submit ourselves to your word. Lord, may we bear fruit. May we enjoy the taste of a life that is following in your ways, regardless of the conditions. Lord, and may we walk with courage and strength and confidence, for we know the end, the blessing that is for the righteous, which you have sealed by your blood on the cross. Lord, it is good to be your people. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that comes only in Jesus Christ. Amen.